Well, welcome to the Craft Beer Cast. I'm Josh. That's Jeff. Hey guys, it's uh, day whatever. All the jokes have made. Nothing's funny. Wells is here. Yeah, just as excited as I was last time. <laughs> and we have this other random voice still in the Discord. Who is this? Again, look at it. What's up, Chris? I'm back. Why, why are you um, not digging, leaving? I, I, I don't know. I'm digging this whole quarantine thing. I can't get enough. <laughs> so, anybody, uh, you know, do anything exciting since the last time we recorded? And you can't leave your fucking house? I got out of the house. I, I did, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like my routine is going to be like every other weekend. I'm going to try to get out to a couple breweries and buy a couple four packs here and there. But try and support local. I mean, I know I'm not going to keep them open. But, you know, maybe a little bit helps here, a little bit that helps there. I ran up to Noda and got a, a four-pack of True Grit and a bottle of uh, uh, Old Voyager. Because... Nice. Sure, why not? I can't re- I feel like we had the Cabernet version on the show. And I gotta imagine it was the one we didn't like, but, you know... Uh-huh. I, uh, I, I didn't like it. Mm. That all being said, uh, you know, I figured to run in get one of those uh good times uh met up with wells uh, in the parking lot and had a contactless exchange of some cans because he got super stoked about some things a lot of time yeah and a bit. all i needed to get those the hell out of my house so if y'all were ever going to try them it needed to they needed to go <laughs> i had this uh this uh weird like i don't know if i'm a good dad or a bad dad moment where uh you know so i went to noda ran a divine barrel picked up a four pack of their blueberry cobbler cans and then went to birdsong to get some uh, some more higher end cans and uh, uh we get down to noda we get over towards divine barrel and my my son who's driving and we're trying to get him some hours in before his 16th birthday but he's like oh yeah i know where i'm going and i'm like okay do you so we got a divine barrel he's like where to next dad and i'm like well how about uh birdsong he's like ah i know how to get there from here and i'm like okay <laughs> i love it I, I mean you know like on one hand, he's under, you know, he's, he's learning his, you know, like natural situational awareness, like, you know, where everything's listed or where everything is laid out. But on the flip side, um, yeah. yeah. So but, just a, a quick update on the old Voyager. We have had the Sauvignon and the port. Was it the, the, the cab? I think the cab is the one that I got. Yeah. And uh, we all like the cab. You actually okay. tapped it. Oh, well, psh, hot, damn. I wish I'd have known that because when I said uh, I wanted one, the guy's like, let me go double check. And I'm like, you've had it on your board for, never mind, just go check. That's fine. And he comes back and he's like, oh, it's the Cabernet one. And I'm like, uh, maybe I'll just do one because it seemed like there was one we weren't crazy about, but apparently I was wrong. So good to know. But yeah, yeah, actually, looking, I was going to say, looking at the list, uh, you tapped that one. Wells and I tapped the port one. So the two that we've had, we have really enjoyed. Fantastic. Good to know. And at this point, it's got a little age on it as well. So all shucks. <laughs> oh. I hate but, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, you know, I, I feel like I, I probably need to, like, next time I venture out, you know, visit a bottle shop or something. But, um I mean, I've really been trying to support the the, the breweries themselves because that's kind of a big deal. So, well, and I mean, let's face it: if you go to a bottle shop, you're yeah, you're still supporting local. Like if you're you know going to certain bottle shops, but other than that, you're getting more direct money to the brewery going to the brewery than you are going to a bottle shop. Right. I mean, you can make an argument about you know if a tree falls in the forest and there's no shop to sell the bottles, doesn't still exist. Very true. It's, it's, you know, it's a tough balance. I, don't, like I, mean, say, I wouldn't want to not support, like, kits, let's say. But at the same time, you know, like, if all these breweries go under and all he's got is, like, I'll refuse to say the, the brewery I'm thinking of, but, you know, a local brewery that I don't like to support, that's all they carried. Like, I, I don't, you know, that's no good either. Man, talk about accelerating survival of the fittest, right? Everybody right? Just kept saying craft, you know, craft beer bubble coming or whatever uh, for years and years and years. But I mean, survival of the fittest now, man. People that have like just a okay product, they're fucked. They're not gonna. They're not gonna make it. Good. Yeah, that that's I mean, like 
this this is definitely accelerating the inevitable for some folks at least you know so yeah i mean you know and i feel like we kind of talked about this maybe last time two weeks ago three weeks ago whatever uh, but you know like i definitely feel like this is this is really going to expose the breweries that have a poor business model um it's gonna be tough for them to survive yep you know uh, some of these that that post these photos online asking for people to come and you know help them out because they have you know seventy three thousand kegs of beer sitting that's going to go bad. And I'm like, why are you even making that much? But you know, everybody's but everybody's got their their business model that they run off of. And yep. I'm applauding we'll the ones that are that are shifting, right? The ones that have that have done the you know drive-throughs, right? And you've got a drive-through now. I don't even have to get out of my car. You yep. can you can come up and order there. I've I've seen some across Southern California now. They're doing online only orders. You just you can't even just drive up. You need to order like the day before, and then they'll have your box ready, right? They they assume people are not coming in like, hey, I just want a four pack, right? They want to get like yeah. a couple of cases of beer or something, right? So they know how much beer they need, what beer they need. Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming they're scaling back production on things that just aren't selling or aren't moving, right? And they're just going to focus on the on the things that need to be there. But I mean, putting up online order systems. There's multiple breweries near me now that you you have to order online and you just go by and pick it up. And and uh, you know they're even moving to delivery. They'll they'll actually deliver it to you for free. I'm like, man, this is pretty fast moving and and pretty you know quote innovative. I know that you know food delivery and stuff's been around forever, but um, I applaud these guys that are trying to get creative. Uh, we even have another one. I think last time I talked about a place that just opened up about four or five months ago. They don't do any distribution. They don't, they, you know, no bottling lines, no canning lines, but they do have crowlers. So they're doing like two days a week. You can pick up a crowler. Just this week, they introduced cans. So somehow they got their, their hands on a canning line or a canning machine. Uh, and now they're producing cans. They had no plans to roll out cans oh. this early, but now they're canning so they can keep open and keep producing and keep selling. I'm like, man, that was, that was quick. I mean, so well, as somebody that works in the industry, I, I would assume they didn't just magically probably acquire that system, right? They probably had that on order for a while. Maybe, or they could have used a, a mobile cannery. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. What is kind of grinding my gears, I guess, is the, uh, the milk jugs. Uh-huh. Like the people that are like, oh cool, hey, we're doing like plastic milk jug crowlers to go now. Are you kidding me? And is this is this no. a thing? Oh uh, yeah, it's a it's a thing. Shut oh the Lord, fuck yes, up. it's a thing. No. Mm -hmm. Now the question here is what's driving that? And and I'll answer that with a little bit of a, a for instance. So uh Saturday was running out and uh had messaged Josh and you know we were so I plan on meeting Wells and Josh looking for some higher ground anyway. And so I'm like, oh, I got to do a can drop off. No big deal. You know, I'll swing my bird song. So I went to look to see just to make sure that they still had higher ground cans, which they did. But one of the things they had in their post, which I thought was really interesting, was uh, a call or almost a plea. If you have empty growler jugs, please bring them back. <laughs> and like at first I sat there and I'm like, man, that's the weirdest sort of like request. But then I remembered like, you know, they don't do crowlers. They're still doing the, you know, the, the 64 ounce glass growler. And there's a lot of people that are buying those now and probably not coming back right away. Like I could totally see how they would run out of those. And that's a whole nother proper role to have to deal with. Yeah. For real. <laughs> yeah. But instead of waiting for, proper glassware to come back it's like you know what screw it let's just put it in the milk jug slap a sticker on it and send it out the door uh we and have a child's sippy cup for you <laughs> but it's it's this level of i i'm i'm trying to have sympathy for people that obviously just ran out of containers and have beer sitting in the lines and just need some sort of income I mean, I get that, but at the same time, I wish they would treat the beer with a little bit more respect if they could. I mean, I mean, come on, like, even if you're like, I get it, you got to move beer, you got to, you got to store it in something, but I mean, milk is not carbonated and those, those things are pretty flimsy. How many, how many times have you, have you had a milk cap leak 
uh, that just doesn't seem like use a two liter Coke bottle or something. At least those things are designed to hold pressure and, and carbonation. I mean, God, yeah. a milk, a milk jug. That's amazing. Yep. That's terrifying. That really is truly terrifying. Kind of like, <laughs> and it's tough because, you know, like, like on one hand, you know, we, we want to applaud the ingenuity of the breweries that are trying to find ways to stay open. But then this kind of happens and it's like, not like, you know, no, not like that. Not like that. I want to support you, but not like that. Survival of the fittest. Yeah. And just bring a big bowl. Will you fill up a big bowl for me and let me, let me drive it home <laughs> in my lap? I brought one of those uh, camel hydro pack things where it's like a backpack, but it's got like a little pouch inside with a straw. Will you fill that for me? Yeah, can you fill my camel back for me, please? Yes, that's again. <laughs> I rode here on my bike. Who cares if it gets sloppy or jostled? You know, at least it's a sale, right? That's right. But there were, at least for a little while, restrictions on, like, it's got to be a resealable glass or metal container. And I think they did do a carve out for plastic, but they're. For a little while, there wasn't. I, I just haven't gone back and checked out North Carolina's uh, uh, filling laws in a minute. But I just, I don't get it, man. Anyway. Crazy times, crazy times. Wells, anything for you? Uh, I'm back to drinking Admiral Boots. All right. <laughs> Other than that, it's... The official beer of quarantine. <laughs> Man, there you go. There's there's your show idea, Josh. Forget French show. Let's talk quarantine beer. Quarantine beer. What are you drinking? This yeah, is what are you drinking? You're stuck on a desert island. <laughs> Which we've done already, but yeah, now we actually legitimately can, can say we are stuck on a desert island. <sighs> okay. I, I thought there would be more ESP. Chris, anything for you, dude? Uh, yeah, I got a uh, Charlotte beer package. Thank you very much, guys. Oh, yes. oh yeah. So it was actually quite uh, quite nostalgic for me over the past uh, you know, past couple of weeks going through some uh, Charlotte beer cans, uh, particularly Higher Ground. My God, I'm drinking Higher Ground in California. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, I, and uh, what a good beer. I mean, it's been a, a year separated from from having one of those and. Like uh, first sip, fantastic! It's a it's a grapefruit bomb, as a matter of fact. Uh, really enjoyed it. So thanks for sending those along, guys. Did Did it make you want to pack back up and move back here? No, of course no. not. <laughs> <laughs> but Munzlers, though. Oh yeah, so I actually got some real German beer, um, which was nice uh, from Old Mac, the Munzlers Revenge, uh, <laughs> which uh, which I like to call it, uh, which was which was really good. Um, so Old Mac cans, as a matter of fact. So like, who, who knew? That was ever going to happen. Uh, so they're uh, they're actually putting things out in sixteen ounce uh, tall boys now. So that was that was quite quite nice and uh, uh, perfect for the style, right? The cans are are perfect for the German style. Crisp, clean beer, not getting light struck. Uh, good job on those guys. Yeah, that was the hope, you know, to get you a, a little taste of home, especially now that so many more cans are available. And I say home in a generic sense, but you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Dabs, unlike what's currently going on in the industry. Yes. We knew this was going to happen. I didn't even put the Stone story in, but Stone has cut 300 people as of last week. And right now, according to the Brewers Association, through a survey that they did, a majority of breweries do not think that they can go for more than three months under the current conditions that the United States is in. A majority. Suggesting that thousands of breweries could potentially be closing as this quarantine, stay at home, whatever you want to call it, continues. I'd also say, though, that I think we need to be really careful with the projections that we like. And I say we like, but I mean, the projections that like to get thrown out there. I mean, I, I feel like especially right now when it comes to this pandemic there is more more than ever this idea of the hot take, you know, and, and it, you know, granted being, you know, somebody who basically has been spitting out hot takes for going on seven years. 
I see. I, it's like every time I turn around, somebody else has some. Oh, well, you know, I've I've got this new model and this new prediction that says that you know, ninety five percent are likely to possibly change. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, I don't doubt that some of these breweries are going to be in trouble. I'm not sure that I buy that it's going to be half of the breweries out there if it takes more than three months. Well. Yeah. And I- Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was thinking it's going to be circumstantial too, right? Depending on locales, states, federal, uh, you know, packages. So, are you know, is is a brewery who uh, is in, a, in an area where they're not going to be required to pay rent on their space until things get back to normal, right? There's no reason why you would close. You don't have to. You just wouldn't operate for now, right? And then when you when everything's open back open back up, you start producing again and start doing more more, you know, paying your rent again. I, I mean, there's there's different situations we need to look at. If there's a place where, hey, you pay or you're kicked out right now, of course, they're not gonna be able to, to, to stay open. But, you know, uh, from a landlord perspective, why would you force somebody out when there's absolutely zero chance you're gonna ever backfill that? Why don't you cut some guys a break and reduce rents or something like that? Are they gonna be impacted? Of course they are, right? Produ- production has to go down. You're gonna have to lay off employees, things like that. But outright close, I think that's subjective. Uh, it's very circumstantial. It feels like the clickbait of today. Like it's easy to say, you know, we did this poll and people aren't sure if they're going to be able to make it. Well, of course they're not sure. We're not sure of anything right now. But that doesn't mean that we need to put too much stock in all this. I 100% agree some of these breweries are going to end up closing. And, and for good. Well, some uh, people may well, be using this as an excuse to close too. So you see the the uh, the stats in the article. Nope, I am planning to close. Two point three percent. They were already planning to close, regardless right. of what happened. This is just uh, an easy. They're just, they're just using an excuse now. Like, hey, well, that makes the decision real easy. I'm out of this business. Yeah, for sure. And Screw and, you guys and I, going home. That's right. That's right. And, and I guess maybe what I should have said is that you know some of these you know for for they, they will most definitely close. And it will be for the better good. Um, you know, much like I, I keep harping on, if your business plan isn't sound, if you're not good business people and you just enjoy the idea of being in the beer industry, like that may not, this, you know, this may be the thing that shakes you loose. You know, maybe this wasn't for you. And I hate to be ugly about it, but you know, some of these. So these breweries weren't meant to last. Well, to be fair, to be a fair, lot of these breweries, when they were doing their business plan, wrote for I mean, not seeing a pandemic coming. <laughs> right. So <laughs> that is to be fair. And to you know, to be you know, most of these breweries, vast majority of the breweries that are open now weren't open the last time there were tough times in the 2008 recession. So nobody's seen anything like this in, in the beer world. Right. Totally fair. Well, and I was to say not only that too, but the other thing, so just kind of looking at some of these stats up here, like one of the things they're saying is um, looking at on-site sales, there has been a sales drop of 75% with the average drop of 65%. So if you adjust it, they call it 65% revenue loss. So that's also in what, maybe max, what, Chris, you've been under quarantine for six weeks? Uh, yeah. So we had like voluntary for like 10 days, then it became mandatory. Uh, it was like, uh, you know, bars and, and, you know, bars and some restaurants were shut down, but you didn't have to like stay quarantined, voluntary closure of businesses. So for some form of uh, like the first or second week of March. Yeah. Uh, at, at least some point, I think it was like the week after that, like March 10th, I think was the, uh, the official lockdown. So, uh, yeah, it's been about four to six weeks, depending on who you ask. Okay. So just Going off of that, we are now officially recording this on 4.13, so we could easily say we've had a 75% drop in listenership since all of this started. So like we are saying, there is a lot of, you know, take some of this with a grain of salt of what we're seeing, but, you know, two months down the road, three months down the road, realistically, this is, I think, where shit could start to get scary for some of these places. You know, I could be crazy. I honestly think we'll probably see a fairly low percentage of closures. I'd be willing to put the over it or the under at 6% total. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm curious, like what, what the percentage of 
like package sales versus retail sales. When I say retail, I mean like restaurants and bars. So uh, I mean, Wells, I don't know if you have any kind of insight on that, like rough numbers, but I would assume that package sales, you know, direct to consumer, whether it comes from a grocery store, or liquor store, or drive up, that volume theoretically should go up because everybody's at home, right? You're gonna right. home, you're gonna drink more, you're gonna drink more at home instead of going out. But uh, yeah, what percentage of business came from retail, restaurant, bar versus package sales? And, and is there any offset to that since the things have been locked down? Well, yeah. where we've seen the biggest gains in terms of sales are, are like big packs, like 12 packs, 24 packs of craft. You know, people aren't going shopping for, oh, I want a four pack of this and a four pack of this and a single of that. It's, you know, at least for now, at least the big pop was your, your big craft, like your all day IPAs, things like that. Sierra Nevada. Um, Interesting. You know, you're, yeah, well, because you know, people buy in bulk, you know, they're, they're going to be in for who knows how much or who knows how long. So they, they really just bought stuff in, in bulk. Hmm. Makes sense. Everybody focus yeah, on those core beers. Get those core beers flowing. That's what we want. Yeah, so it'll, you know, it'll be interesting. Like I said, um, the predictions are all over the place about how long the shutdown is going to continue to happen and, you know, when we could potentially see some relief. But like I said, I realistically, I think once we start to get into the three-month time span, that's when we're going to start to either see, like Chris was mentioning earlier, a major shift into all these breweries are now producing core beers and they're just selling them in big packs just to get, you know, direct out the door or maybe things get back to normal. Who knows? And speaking yes. of things getting not back to normal, we know the World Beer Cup is canceled as well, but we also, most of us probably figured out that most of the beer that was shipped over there for the CBC and the World Beer Cup was shipped quite a while ago. So what they're doing with all of those beers, which I think this is really cool, they are taking all of that beer and basically turning it into hand sanitizer to donate. Good. <laughs> we... That's, how that's in great. the hell did they do that? How did they do that, it? I want to know how they do that. That's that's great if somebody you wants like a cup. it and turn it into alcohol. Yep. And then yeah, add... I mean, it's gonna be like seventy percent, right? Seventy percent, seventy percent alcohol. I mean, that has to be a huge reduction in beer to get to that concentration of alcohol, doesn't it? Yeah. So yes. I'll give you the st the stats here. So they took fifteen hundred gallons of beer yesterday, and then they were able to get one hundred seventy five gallons of hand sanitizer made out of that. On the bright side, you know, I mean, like, you don't even have to bother going to, like, Bath and Body Works to get the, you know, coffee, cinnamon, vanilla, orange zest hand sanitizer. You can just get it from that batch of beer they just distilled them. Right. <laughs> yeah, so. Because, um, like I, like I, I mean, I feel like that is, you know, like, sure, they're going to distill it and boil it, you know, boil more of the liquid off. It's going to be more alcohol. They're going to concentrate it down. But, like. How does that work when you have an adjunct heavy beer? Does a does a does a hazy IPA distill down the same way that a Pilsner would? Mm, that's a good question. And then, like you know, does that leave any residual like cider? Like like I know if I take a, we've joked a lot about like taking a, a sour and like boiling it down and turning it into a syrup. But I mean, like you're making it into a syrup. When you take beer and, you know, you distill it down, you're evaporating the water out of it, right? So. Mm -hmm. Well, really, you're well, evaporating you're the alcohol out of it. Right. Um, right, right, right. And then catching it, you know, later on. So a lot of your heavier particulates, proteins, um, you know, things will get left behind. It's but, just part of the nature of the still the but, distillation process. Yeah, still, no pun intended. Wow. 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 <laughs> Irregardless, <laughs> a, a bourbon varies from distiller to distiller based on, you know, it's, it's basically the same process as beer, right? Like you take a bunch of grains, you throw some yeast in it, it yes. ferments, and then you distill it out. And so, 
the different recipes create different bourbons, which, you know, ostensibly is what you're doing here. I got to believe that, that, I mean, like as great as this stuff is, and, and I'm sorry, as great as it is that they're doing all of this, it's got to be producing some very different <laughs> hand sanitizers. Like, I would just yeah. love to be on the, be, like to be able to talk to somebody at a hospital and be like, all right, so I heard you got some heady topper sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, do we, are, are we going to get into the craft hand sanitizer now? I don't I mean, want any of that not? generic shit. I don't want any of that generic shit. I want the craft hand sanitizer. I mean, it like, it, they already exist. If you're, <laughs> I want my double dry hop hand sanitizer. If, if you're a brewery that can suddenly start distilling hand sanitizer, and I, I grant you that probably nobody is set up to do this, but if you could set yourself up to do this, man, that'd be a great way to take some of your bad batches and some of your, some of your beer that's not moving, crank it out into hand sanitizer. There might be a market for that. I mean, like they have beer, everything else. Like, if I, I'm sure you guys are the same way. You get together at a family gathering, and it's like, oh, oh, fun, a, a a bacon bourbon candle. Oh, yay, fun! It's beer soap. Yeah, thanks for the beer soap. Yeah, but I mean, like, I feel like this is this could have some legs, at least in that you know. Well, time in, in, yeah, in the time, in the times we are. Hey, Wells. Yeah. What's going on with Corona? <laughs> Bad segue. Uh, yeah. I mean, just because it's my story. Are you talking about Corona or the Rona? Oh, Rona. Well, it, uh, it's come down to this. As the coronavirus goes across the globe, Corona beer is stopped being brewed in Mexico. So... Supposedly they are, well, not supposedly, uh, they are considered a non-essential activity. Uh, Mexico has shut down the country until the end of April to try to curb the spread. And since um, brewers aren't considered essential, you know, they're shut down. So, so no is, that, is that a Mexico-specific thing that breweries aren't considered essential? Yes. So, uh, so uh, you, you gotta love Reddit, right? So I, was, I saw this article on Reddit uh, like last week, and uh, you go straight to the comments, and of course the very you know the top rated comment on there was like, oh boy, more clickbait uh, because it has Corona in it, and panic people that Corona stopped brewing. But once you read the article, all breweries in Mexico have stopped production. It's not just Corona; it's yeah, all but, breweries. Yeah. Sure, but Corona's huge. Like huge. Like, I wonder if that's the only place that they brew it or would they shift the Corona production to somewhere else? Probably already have. You'd have to imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine they would just sit by and not let their bread buy. All right, well, that had no legs to it. Chris, <laughs> what's going on with wine tasting? How, how okay, fake this is, is the problem? The problem is we don't, we're not all together, so we can't see Josh's hand motions. Try to find a way to stretch this out. <laughs> Next. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so actually we have an article in here. It's a, it's a really long article, but uh, it's, it's funny. You know, back in the day, um, we always talk about, you know, hey, so-and-so won a gold medal at World Beer Cup. And somebody won something at, you know, another festival or another award. And it's, you know, gold, silver, silver bronze. And we always kind of joked that, you know, they're all subjective. Um, these guys are testing. There's, you know, 150 different IPAs in a category. How can you tell them all apart? Uh, if you were to do, you know, the World Beer Cup today, uh, you'd have a list of winners. And if you did the same exact beers from the same exact bottles the very next day, you would have a different list of winners because it's just too much to try to, you know, distinguish between every single IPA. And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to matter what order you drink them in. Do you have a hangover? Are you hungry? What did you eat, you know, before you had this? And like all things can influence that. And this guy, um, he's basically, this is about wine tasting. In the, in the junk science behind it, uh, essentially. Um, and he, he owns a winery. Uh, and I, I just highlighted some things in the article to kind of talk through because it's, it's a really long article and it starts getting into wine, you know, why wine tastes the way it does and what people judge on. But uh, I thought this was really relevant when it comes to the beer world and, and you know, the same kind of things apply on these. Uh, but basically, he, he has a small winery. Uh, he puts things in competitions around the state uh, in California uh, for years and years and years. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, 
in most years, the things are inconsistent, right? So he'll have, you know, some of his whites would rate it as gold medalist in one contest and the same exact white wine in another contest, you know, down the road, two weeks later, doesn't even place. You know, how can it be rated gold in one and not even place in the next one? Uh, and he started digging around and trying to figure out why is it so subjective and, and tried to put some stats behind it because he, he had kind of a degree in statistics and stuff. So he wanted to, you know, figure out, out these things. And um, he started putting these wine tastings out to the California State Fair wine competition, especially the oldest contest uh, of its kind in North America. It's been around for you know decades to do this experiment. Uh, so basically he had a panel of four judges and these are like you know renowned people. Uh, they're going to be presented with a usual flight of samples, sniff, sip, you know, taste, do everything you do uh, to judge a wine. Uh, but he said they, the wines would be presented to the panel three times, poured from the same bottle each time. And then the results compiled and analyzed to see what actually happened. So uh, he first did this in 2005. He's been doing it since 2005. So he's been doing it for like 15 years. So he's got a lot of data to back this up. Uh, and uh, you, you, basically it's the, the professional wine judges that everybody reads their articles and they rate wine and all this stuff, right? Uh, he said only about 10% of the judges are consistent. Uh, and those that were consistent one year were not consistent the next year. So there's basically no consistency at all. You basically wait, wait, up wait, 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 wait. 10%? Only 10% of the judges were consistent in judging That's the wines. fucking insane. 10%. These are professionals that everybody looks to that reads articles. You know, when you go into Total Wine, it says rated 96 and, you know, wine aficionado or whatever. These are these guys who can make or break a winery. They're only 10% accurate. 10%. What the fuck? That's like worse than a meteor meteorologist. And they're pretty bad at their jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, it's all hot takes that nobody's ever going to call you out on later. That's that's the beauty of it. Oh my god, 10%. I'm sorry. What is somebody going to say keep, like, keep, "Oh yeah, I don't I don't I don't taste the stone fruits that you're talking about." Keep so, keep going. My mind yeah. is just blown right there. Yeah, so so it's furthermore, he started breaking it down by individual judges. So right, remember we said there's three pours of the same wine from the same bottle. One of the judges, a wine, he, he deemed it to be a 90. The second pour, he said it was an 86. And the next pour, he said it was a 94. Three of the same wines from the same bottle, three in a row. And he had wildly different ratings on all three pours. How is that? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Because, I mean, at least for me, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but if I drink a beer, like, let's, let's throw an IPA out there. If I have an IPA, as long as it doesn't sit for like an hour, that first sip is going to taste pretty damn similar to the last sip to me. There's not going to be a whole lot of variation there. That said, unless it's a scientific experiment where this judge is only given the same one three different times and is told that it's different. Because, I mean, your, your brain can play tricks on you as it is. But how something, you know, how this... Imperial brown ale taste after having a, a double IPA may be different than if I had just had it on its own. So, so check this out. It gets even weirder. So he decided to take 57 wine tasters uh, and he presented them with the same exact wine one week apart uh, in two different bottles, unlabeled bottles. They're basically blind tasted. So 57 volunteers, uh, same wine, one week apart, in two different bottles, so they couldn't tell it was like, could potentially be the same one. Uh, he presented one as a table wine. So basically your you know, $10 bottle of table wine that you can get at Total Wine. And then and the second one, he basically touted as a very high-end wine and he absolutely fooled everybody. So basically uh, when tasting the supposedly superior wine, the language from the reviewers was more positive, describing it as complex, <laughs> balanced, long and woody. The same wine presented as the cheap wine, they use negative words such as weak, light, and flat, just because of the way it was presented to them. 57 people. I mean, it's got to be the placebo effect, right? Like, you know, when, you're, when your brain gets told it's a certain thing, you tend to believe that it's a thing, whether it is or not. So out of 6,000 blind tastings, he found a positive link between the price of the wine the amount people in the, the, and the amount that people said they enjoyed it. The more expensive wines, they always said they enjoyed it more. And they were like, I paid more for this, damn it, I'm going to enjoy it more. I think it's probably, like you said, the placebo effect that kind of comes in there like that. But that also feels like the untapped effect. 
or untapped's not the right right term there. It's the it's that thing of like I had to trade a lot for this beer, so I'm gonna rate it highly because you know it's supposed to be this good because I had to trade a lot. Or I bought a lot of this beer and I'm hoping to turn it into other beers, so I better hype it up too much and yeah. pump up the rating to try to offload it to some rube who's probably doing the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you thought that was it? It gets even weirder, guys. It gets even weirder. Um, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's wait. more. So they talked about how color and perceptions of the color and stuff like that can, have, can affect your taste or whatever. So he had 54 wine experts to do a two glass, two glasses of wine side by side, one red and one white, uh, using the typical language of you know, the red, the, the, the panel described the red as jammy and commented on its crushed red fruit. Uh, and the critics failed to spot that both wines were from the same bottle. It was a white wine and used red food dye in one of the glasses to make them think it was a red wine. This dude is oh, the greatest man. troll ever. I love, I this, love this guy. For sure, it's great. He is he's rocking the industry right now. As a matter of fact, he's got a he's got a uh, a quote in here that uh, where is it? Uh, yeah, he said that the people in the industry absolutely hate him right now. Uh, they they'll never know why. Oh yeah, so the studies have irritated many figures in the industry. They say I'm full of bullshit, and that's okay. I'm proud of what I do. I'm like, yes, this guy's rocking everybody right now. He absolutely fooled them by putting red food coloring in a white wine, and then they talked about it like it was actually a red wine. 54 experts. I mean, you think about it, and whether it's in the wine industry, there's a cottage being certified as knowledgeable. And I won't for one second cast any doubt that there's some real skill and knowledge that goes into a lot of of being able to detect uh, certain off flavors, issues that may have taken place. I think a lot of that can be experienced and just being told like, that's what that is. Um, so I don't, you know, like I don't discount the knowledge that some of these people have. I just don't know that like, to your point, Chris, you know, once you start getting into rating a beverage, like that's really subjective. So. Yeah. Well, not only that, but let's stop and think about a wine sommelier for a second and they work at a very high-end restaurant and how much money they're making selling you this, you know, $400 bottle of wine. Yeah. They don't want to be found out right now. Yeah. Holy shit. That's just, Oh my God. That's crazy. Meanwhile, all I've got is that stupid parks and rec episode. Run. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. He's, discredited all these guys. he's just discredited all these guys that have these certifications and everything. He's like, ah, well, basically, your uh, opinion's bullshit. Uh, lovely, huh? Um, yeah, you translate that to the beer world, right? Take these, take these awards and stuff with a grain of salt, right? It's time, place. It's so subjective. Like I said, they could have had, you know, bad pizza for lunch, and then, you know, their afternoon tasting session just, was just wrecked because they had, like, spicy pepperoni pizza or something. Who knows? Um, but yeah, yeah, you got to take that all with a with a grain of salt. I, I guess it makes great marketing. You can put your gold medal on your beer can, hope you sell more or whatever. But um, the fact that the same beers don't win every single time when nothing changed is just proves that point. Well, I mean, how different is that from like you know barbecue, you know, the big barbecue circuit? You know, bidding on the year, you're like hour. No, apparently this year the judges orange and spicy more vinegar, and so I'm you know changing my recipe. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of that that goes on too. True. Oh, yeah. yeah. All this reminds me of a documentary that's on Netflix called Sour Grapes, and it was about some guy that counterfeited wines, like he would blend inferior blends and then. It concoct them in such a way to to emulate uh, fine wine. He'd do counterfeit on the labels, um, and he sold like millions of dollars of this fake wine that fooled the professionals. So check that out. Sour grapes. Yep. Or Tiger King. You should watch that too. Uh, <laughs> I've been quarantined for like a month. I've definitely seen Tiger King already. Really? 
Well, I know you have. Quick, quick show of hands. How many of y'all think? You you yep, cut out there. Everybody. I, I said quick show of hands. How many of y'all think Carol Baskin fed her husband to the tiger? Oh yeah, so yep. and I, I can see all your hands raised from here. Uh huh. Yep. Yes, sir. Uh, did you see the follow up? There's actually a new episode out. I, I haven't yet. Yeah. I'm. Uh, it's. I'm. Didn't mm. get to it yesterday. I'm ready to get there, but uh, we got this one. On. So it's not really an episode either. It's just Joel McHale interviewing people from the show on uh, their. Please reaction. tell me he doesn't like the soup. He yeah, does, kind of. Because yeah, kind of. <laughs> that would be the best. It's it's very to- it's very talk soupy. Then of course you know he has to talk about the real shit that happened to these people, and he makes a fairly decent transaction or transition, I should say, between you know being jokey Joel McHale and like talking about Saf losing her fuck or him losing his fucking hand and shit like that. So he does a pretty good job of it. Awesome, looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, he cracks on uh, Vince Neil pretty hard too, which I thought was yep. great. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. Take good. that, Vince Neil. Yeah, fuck you, Vince Neil. All right, are we ready for our break? That sounds like it. And our weird by no by. Yeah, we'll be back in 30. Well, it's time for buy and buy. How does that work? Oh, man. Uh, I've definitely been drinking a beer while we're in our own respective homes. Uh, <laughs> we're just going to figure out well, what we, you know, do we like this beer or not? Is it a buy or is it a no buy? Pretty simple system. Jeff. All right. So um, I, I think I mentioned this the last time we got together. So we had a care package from Chuck. We got Chuck. Um, and uh, we we're going to try to sit on them and write out this, this quarantine, but uh, some of these were hoppy beer, and I felt like I uh, needed to, to jump into them. So, um, Dude, beers are not eggs. You cannot sit on them and expect them to happen. Correct. Correct. Uh, so I, uh, one, one of the ones that he had sent was a fresh hop beer, so that one kind of screamed out as the one that needed to go first. But uh, Wild Leap, who uh, you may recall from the Alpha Abstraction series, uh, had one called Three Harvest, a fresh hop double IPA, uh, 8.2%. And man, I kind of hate the fact that I had to have this without you guys because, I mean, this is right in your wheelhouse. Although the fact that I like it probably means that you would not. Um, but uh, used hydroponically grown cascade hops. Uh, was real good. Uh, I liked it, actually. Uh, if I was at Wild Leap, I would definitely uh, buy that beer. Um, so there's that. Uh, Wells, what are you drinking? Hydroponically tonight? grown hops. It's like a new thing, relatively new, and it's fascinating to me. Like you're going to be able to have like wet hop beers next week, maybe. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, it's going to like grow them year round. It's yeah, gonna, it's going to it's going to cut down the the well, uh, I guess the the growing season. Uh, as well as the, I guess the growing, uh, I guess Apple Appalachian, Appalachian is that what you say? Appalachian, where you, they only grow in like above certain, you know, uh, where they only grow in, in great abundance above, above a certain longitude, like the Pacific Northwest and up in the Germany, the upper uh, upper longitudes or latitudes. Um, yeah, it's uh, that's real interesting. I wonder if they, I wonder if that's going to scale very well, or would it be just for like you know, very small batches? Yeah, hard to say. Um... This is real good beer, and uh, I, you know it was super hazy. Uh, it's a wildly beer, so you know it, you guys have had a couple of those. You know what to kind of expect. Uh, like I said, it was Cascade. Um, man, it, it drank real nice, and, and just 
my uh, uh, very scientific, uh, well thought out, experienced position on this is that it was a good beer, and I would buy it. <laughs> very nice. What Wells? Well, y'all know me. I am back on my bullshit. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Admiral Boots from Casita Cerveceria out of Farmville, North Carolina. 11.5% Imperial Brown Ale. I can't get enough of these dang things. It's the official beer of quarantine. <laughs> I mean, I, I've tried to keep it North Carolina as much as I could. And God, I just love this beer. So I'm re really looking forward to hearing what y'all think of it since I gave cans to Jeff to pass out. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as mentioned earlier, you know, uh, met up with Wells uh, for a beer handoff and dropped uh, some of this off to Josh. Um, you know, Josh and I were talking before the show and we were talking about having this beer and he's like, ah, I don't think you're going to like it. Uh, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong, Josh. Um, really? Yeah. Um, so to me, this drinks like some of the best, and Chris is going to hate me when I say this, but some of the best brown ale with coffees that we've had. Um, the cinnamon, vanilla, the orange, it's there as a nice little accompaniment, but it's not taken front and center. The vanilla maybe a little bit, but it's just, it just all works so well together. This is a, an imperial coffee brown ale with some hints. It's a very, very well-edited, subtle additions that, that make it better than it may have been before. But um, I would drink it without the additions. I would drink it with the additions. Uh, but this coffee is banging. I would not drink it in a boat. I would not drink it in a boat. The, the reason, Jeff, that I, I, I didn't think you would like this is this is a brown, 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 brown ale. You don't like brown ales typically. Uh, I'm okay with brown ales. Uh, I, I don't like I don't like all of them. Okay, but uh, uh, especially like a coffee brown, like so, uh, Surly Bender, uh, Better Nails from High Wire, or uh, just to name a couple. You know, like I don't mind them. They're not what I reach for uh, necessarily straight off the bat, but. Uh, especially if you're going to throw coffee in it, uh, you got my attention. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'll go ahead and do this one before I do my other beer. Um, so Wells had this two weeks ago, whenever. I don't remember when he had it. He's probably had it a thousand times on the show already. Uh, as he was describing it, it sounded kind of like a train wreck, if I'm going to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you listen to the flavors and you hear like orange and cinnamon and you go... Why are you putting that in a beer together? What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, it's barely there. Well, and let me get there. So <laughs> it was shortly after recording, Wells brought one of these cans over for me, and I was like, all right, I'll try it. <sighs> Whatever, you know, I'm not expecting anything. Open it up. I sent him a text, and I go, okay, this is way better than I expected it to be. Like, mm -hmm. I honestly thought this thing was going to be a train wreck. And <laughs> on the second you know, the second time and it actually doing it officially for the show, it still holds up. But you listen to the descriptions and you just think, mm, I don't know, but man, they nailed this thing. It is damn good. Damn good. Yeah, Casita is quickly getting into that category of, you know, like, even if it looks weird, I'll give it a shot because yeah. there's very little that they're making that I that that I have absolutely not enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, Chris, before I do my other one, do you have a beer? It's probably a Charlotte beer, I'm betting. Oh, of course it is. Uh, so I've actually got a beer here from Triple C Brewing Company that uh, Jeff dropped in the package. Uh, it's called Flat Brim. Uh, nice. Yeah, so Jeff uh, Jeff pimped that up for me, uh, saying this is one of the few uh, hazy IPAs that he enjoys. So I was saving this one for the show. Um, and uh, I, I don't like it. It's terrible. Uh, it's just your. It's just a hazy IPA. Uh, nothing special about it. Uh, I'm gonna no buy it. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Do not like. Yeah, I was not a not a fan. Uh, I mean, it's a hazy IPA. Um, so what don't you like about it? I'm curious. Honestly, I'm I'm curious because Chris, I don't know. I know you don't listen to the show anymore. That was my beer of the year last year. Really? That's how oh. much praise I have for that beer. So I'm curious, just, like, what yeah. do you not like about it? it? It's just another hazy IPA. I mean, there's absolutely nothing that stood out to it. Uh, it's like every other hazy IPA I drink. Um, as soon as I poured it, I was just kind of like, ah, oh, really? Uh, smelled it. 
Smells fine, but you just nothing there stands out about it. Uh, I would not buy it again. Interesting. What about the uh, what was the fucking pale ale that I sent you? Did you like that one from Triple C? Um, that was the uh, what was that the uh, Greenway? Yeah, like it was that? the reformulated yeah, Greenway. Greenway. Yeah, um, I, I was actually. <laughs> so what's funny is I, I was actually looking forward to that because I, I remember having that before. I don't remember it being a hazy. Uh, but it is indeed hazy now. Uh, they reformulated it as a hazy, I guess. I, yeah, uh, I was kind of shocked. Um, no, nah, wasn't a big fan of that one either. Wow, Chris just shitting all over. Sorry, man. Hey, look, no, yeah. the, the answer here is real simple, Josh. That's the last higher ground that boy. <laughs> That's lame. That's not hazy. That's probably the last time they're going to can it too. But it's yeah, yeah. Probably. Uh, I know. Uh, I was. I actually was going to contemplate like holding on to one for like two or three weeks to see if it would hold up, but uh, I couldn't resist. I, I drank all three of them the first weekend uh, <laughs> that was here. I, I wasn't taking any chances, so uh, those are gone. Not even mad. Not mad at all. Good call. Uh, so you know me being the haze bro, I had to grab a beer from. Where are these guys? The can art's really cool. I'll send it to Jeff so he can post it. Uh, Lost Province, out of Boone. And this is called Hipster Juice. <laughs> it is a New England hazy IPA with... Are you ready for this? Citra, mm-hmm. Eldorado, and Mosaic Hops. I mean, all three of them boys just say, hello, hello, hello. Uh, this is juicy, pineapple-y, danky as shit. Uh... I love this beer. Like, I'm glad I just cracked my first one because I have three more of these to look forward to. And I'd never even heard of this place before. Had Wells or Jeff, you guys, Lost Province? Nope. Uh, uh, not, not by name. I, maybe if I saw like the can art or something like that, it might ring a bell. But... No, I don't believe I. I mean, I know the name, but that's. I can't say I've had much of them. They might have just sort of just showing up here. Who knows? But it's. Oh, no, I've been there. Oh, have you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like, man, it seems really familiar. Yeah, we were there. Uh, yeah, after a competition, uh, they've got really good food. Well, that's a ringing endorsement to go to a. No, no, no. Well, the the beer was good too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, like it was one of those like we were there for a band competition. It was a really long day. We were starving. There was a huge line. By the time we got you know seated, the food was like what we wanted more than anything. The food was. Uh, the beer was really good. Uh, I don't. I don't remember. Like a whole... Fair enough. Fair enough. You're fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. We're at the end of the show, anyways. Unless anybody has any other beer to review. Not on this episode. Chris is going to hate all over everything. So. Uh, <laughs> so oh, here you go. I, I had their fat bastard oatmeal stout. Like that one enough to buy it again. I love it when you call me Big Guava. Like that enough to buy it again. Uh, I really like their IPA. I really like their Oktoberfest and their check pills. I liked as well. So yeah, uh, all their stuff I would go and buy again. That guava beer sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm a sucker anytime you're using Notorious Big. So oh, there's that. That's right. This was a uh, a New England style IPA with pink guava. Ooh. And I love me some pink guava, so. All right, Jeff, we're at the end of the show. Where are we at, man? Uh, come check us out. Go to the webs. Visit craftbeercast.com. See links to all of our things like our Patreon. Um, although, like, honestly, as much as this is normally the part where I would say, you know, send us money, send us support, send us whatever. Honestly, I'd rather you support your local breweries that you believe in. Uh, that's who needs it more than we do. Um, but your support is great, and we do you know we do appreciate that. Um, meanwhile, you know, like continue to interact with us. Uh, hit us up uh, on the Twitters at CBcast. Uh, we're doing these shows on Discord now, so uh, I know Josh is toying with the idea of uh, making it so that uh, if you happen to be here at the right place at the right time, you can listen in. I think. Oh, it's already set up that way. Okay, so it's already set up that way. So you know, if you want to be a fly on the wall and hear the unedited. Not that Josh has a lot of editing, but if you want to hear the unedited version, you're, uh, you know, hit, hit Josh up uh, on the Twitters at CBcast, and uh, he will show you the way. Wells, where can they find you? Uh, bored at home. 
I'm so bored at home. I'm actually like on Twitter right now. He's so bored. He's like Madeline Kahn. And I wish she was tired. Never mind. Blazing Saddles. Oh, she is so uh, tired. Coming and going and going and coming and always too soon. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me at all wells, Twitters and the Instagrams. It's going to be lots of pictures of my backyard and my dog and beer because that's the only thing I have going on in my life. Oh, God. Kicking it to Chris or kicking it to Josh? Who wants it? Chris. Chris, oh, where are you? Yeah. Hey, you can find me at CP SoCal on the Twitters. And uh, I'll be back next show, too. How about that? Maybe. Maybe. That's a big maybe. TBD. <laughs> <laughs> you after he cra- like, after he crapped all over Flatbrim, I'm not sure Josh is going to let him back. <laughs> right? He might be banned from... Nah, nah. I like Chris too much. If it was Mark, though, Mark would be out of this call, and he would be banned permanently from this Discord forever. Yeah, I mean, I could just write... If he wants to shit on that beer anymore, I'll just right-click and block his ass. <laughs> uh, we love you, Chris. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JoshCBC. Don't forget about our subreddit slash r slash craftbeercast. We are, are in desperate need of stories at this point. Uh, I don't want to keep covering the sky is falling, the sky is falling, it's calling, the sky is falling. So give us ideas. Uh, you know, a locked-in-home quarantine show might not be a bad idea of what beers you're buying, but we already know what Wells is, so that kind of ruined. Yep. So I've got some. Uh, so I've got something to cover on next show then, since uh, since I might be back. Um, just remind me uh, on the next show on the uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I've got a couple things we can talk about that are not sky is falling, but it's a, as a result of sky is falling. So it's actually okay. good news. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Uh, tell a friend, uh, especially now. You people that work at home that don't like have to be on conference calls all day, listen to a podcast. Listen to our podcast. We have three hundred and twenty-six episodes released. If there's and, uh, ever if there's ever a podcast that you could just turn on and not pay any attention to, it's probably it's ours. us. Yeah, it's a hundred percent ours. Uh, skip the first what twenty episodes. Just start at like yeah. episode twenty. I keep thinking we need to just like scrape those off the web and not make them accessible anymore. Yeah, I, I, I feel like they need to stay there as like a, a cautionary tale for ourselves. Yes, they do. Uh, the only reason I say skip them is the audio quality was shit. I was still learning things. You know, it happens. It's a thing. Uh, mentioned Patreon, subreddit, Twitter. So yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at DraftCBC. And other than that, we will talk to you guys next Thursday.